Hello, just a quick disclaimer. This episode was recorded before Richard Hill and Tony Corton left the club. to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are just throwing together a quick little show for you tonight in response to the Red and White Army meeting with the club. Uh, I am joined a little bit later on by some of the team, but we're just going to open up straight away with uh, Dave Rose from the from the Red and White Army group. Apologies for the, the sound quality here. The way we are doing this is a little bit different. It should get back to normal um, for the next section. So I'm not beating around the bush here. Uh, we'll ask you how you're doing though, Dave. Are you okay? I'm good, a bit tired. Been busy for 24 hours. <laughs> How long was the meeting in total? I think it was about four hours or so. Four hours. Um, started at two o'clock and got away about half six or something. Right. Yeah, busy day. Busy day. Well, I'm going to start and just ask firstly, so not everybody is on social media and not everybody um, is a member of the Red and White Army yet. Uh, so just to put to bring those people up to speed, how did the meeting come around in the first place, and what was the original purpose of it? So yeah, so obviously uh, we as a group are one of the um, independent democratic supporter groups. Uh, the, there was a, two other groups that were invited to the meeting: the, the branch liaison council and um, the uh, supporters liaison group. And uh, we got the invitation sort of a little bit out of the blue with I think two two or three days notice um, n- not so much with a, an agenda or anything just a, an opportunity to um, ask questions of Stuart Donald and Jim Rodwell uh, along with Tom Stones and um, our initial response was is, is it a structured dialogue meeting in the traditional sense which for those that don't know this is the the regular rhythm and maintenance we're getting in under going right back to when Martin Bain first came in when we just formed we wrote terms of reference that the club adopted alongside the supporters um, the other supporter groups which uh, basically stipulates we meet between two and four times a season everyone agrees the minutes and then we publish the minutes each group can publish the minutes uh, as quickly as possible and that was our idea when we first set up Red White Army to have as much transparency uh, between those discussions as possible. Um, so we asked if that was the case, would it be minuted, and can we can we set an agenda, even though it was short notice. Uh, the club um, said that we could just go in, ask what we want, and then report what we wanted. Um, so we thought, well, okay, we'll we'll come along. Okay, and that's obviously you were always going to do that. There were no doubts or obstacles. Why you th- any reasons why you thought you shouldn't do that? No, I think if they'd said it wasn't going to be minuted and there were res- lots of restrictions about what we could say or that it was just an off-the-record meeting, I think that would have been in the current climate at Sunderland that would have been uncomfortable for us. Okay, what was the mood of the room like, generally speaking, Dave, from, from the club in particular? Um... I mean, we, we, as in our introductory notes, we said it was heated at times, but respectful, and I guess that does sum it up. Um, 
we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, what we did get a bit later on in the build-up of the meeting was a, a loose agenda, with the first item being around the sale of the club and specifying that that's the bit Stuart Donald would be in for. So we sort of started a build-up, um, a few questions around that, and all the questions come from fans. They come from our members, from social media, uh, from the message boards. We, we, we made we painfully sort of go through that process all the time so that's not just our opinions in a room if anything we're just a conduit for the fans questions as best we can be try to get them in some sort of order um, so we went in there just thinking well we, you know he'll want to say something around the sale and give us an update um, and it then took the sort of turn where he outlined some of the abuse that uh, has been happening um, and then what his thoughts were and how Red and White Army had been approaching the relationship with the club, which sort of took us by surprise a little bit. Um, what I want to say straight away is Red and White Army condemn any form of abuse to any club staff, to fellow fans, to anyone, whether that's flipping to comments on social media, whether that's um, phone calls in the middle of the night, or whether that's somebody turning up on, on the club staff's doorstep if, that, that just anything like that let's keep it simple let's not question what's true what's not let's just just draw a line just say look, stop all of that if it, uh, it's, it's not right um, don't want to give anybody a stick to beat us with um, let's let's make sure we stick to what we want to challenge around what's happening with the club and, and keep it with control you're right and, and we echo that uh, certainly to an extent. I mean, we'd have packed the podcast in years ago if we were going to be sensitive to, to online abuse and online criticism. I, I will say that. It's, it's more of a cultural problem, I think, isn't it, than an individual problem related to Sunderland, I would say. But yes, we, we would condemn any abuse. Did, did, did they elaborate on any of that? Or is it just generally online stuff? People haven't turned up at the stadium and, and, and had protests like they did under Bob Murray, which I know you reference in your minutes as well. Yeah, I mean, um, again, 100%, I, it, it is the, it's a sign of the times in the, this age of social media. It is, um, abuse is wrong, and it's wrong across all of society, and it's wrong across all of football when it happens. It's not a Sunderland-specific problem nope. by any means. It's, uh, all of football the reason, why, the reason why there's a lot of anger and frustration at the minute is because of where we are as a club. Yeah, which we all know. Uh, we just had the two worst seasons. Uh, in the history of a club, do you you said it, it took you by surprise a little bit? Are you did, did it make you rethink any anything about the way you do things? I mean, I was I was very surprised to to read that he was um, suggesting Red and White Army weren't doing weren't doing enough to condemn this because I mean, like we said, this is what what, what you, you can't really police that you can't really control that um, thousands of people have access to social media and and this, this is a problem yeah. in not just football but in politics and in all walks of life. Yeah, and I mean, um, not none of our executive committee have, have stepped out of line. We've been nothing but professional and polite in our dealings with the club. Um, I think the suggestion was that because we're um, maybe not reflecting what Stuart thinks of some of the positive things that he's communicated, um, that that was helping to fuel um, the mood of the fans and the mood of some fans who've taken to extremes. Um, it was a complicated sort of discussion around that. And what I would say is that Stuart, he's, he's a human being, he did see. There was no, no doubt that um, 
Stuart Donald was genuinely upset by um, some of the, the issues he was identifying by a minority of support, as he put it, that, that were um, giving out some abuse, really, whether that was you know online or, or face-to-face. I want to give you the opportunity now to maybe loosen the noose a little bit for Tom Sloans. Tom is a, a non-exec director, Sunderland fan, um, who has... Um, Peter Wang got a lot of fans with, with, with some of the things he said in the meeting. Um, now, I don't know Tom personally, um, and I just wanted to see if you could add some clarity or st- some context to a couple of the things he said. A direct quote here from Tom, the fans should think themselves as a positive disruptor, um, and on more than one occasion, fans are putting off buyers. Um, can you just elaborate, elaborate a little bit on what Tom's approach was to the meeting? Uh, yeah, sure. I, it's the first time I've met Tom. Um, and he was a very warm and, and likeable individual. Um, got on quite well with him before the meeting started off. Um, he's in a difficult position, I think. Uh, but what I wouldn't doubt at all is his passion for the club. And I think he wants what all Sunderland fans want, which is a, a, a thriving sort of club to be to be proud of. Um, his means of trying to get us to that maybe differ from others. But I think as a fan base, we've probably got to just maybe keep our eyes on the prize and what we want from the club and, and we'll all have different ways that we think we can get there um, so in terms of any fans who've got Tom in, in the sights I would just say well well, why that, that's not the problem maybe disagree with methods or whatever but we've got plenty of problems at the club um, and, I, and I think there's, there's plenty more for us to focus on as a fan base yeah um, yeah I understand that I know Again, you know, you might think I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I don't want the fans to give the owners and to give the club and to give the people involved the abuse that they seem to imagine is is, is happening personally. And, and maybe it's um, like I say, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but perhaps this is a tactic to get to get fans to do that. And I know that these things can sound different when you're there, so that's and um, that's why I asked you that. A couple of co- contradictions that fans have picked up on. Um, one is that the club have said would-be investors are coming in on one hand and saying everything's in great shape here why on earth would you want to sell this club and that's that's them giving themselves a, a pat on the back I guess but on the other hand would-be investors are also saying the fans are putting us off buying so can you make a bit of sense of that for us because that seems to be a direct contradiction. I think yeah I think what the what this club staff who talked around that were trying to get at I suppose um putting up any more words into the mouth but is it's always best to sell something when it's in its best light and uh, a, a happy vibrant supportive fan base I guess um, the, the logic from for them is would be better than an, an angry disappointed fan base but we're angry and disappointed because of where we are as a club um, back back worst finishes in our history um, and red and white army in terms of why we're at the meeting and why we exist is to reflect as best we can reflect the mood of the supporters um and you, you don't just become angry and pissed off as a fan base by accident there's reasons for that i, I personally i'll be put off any i think it's important that owners of a football club understand football um i mean these two these two seemingly do to be honest when, when you have conversations with them and stuff but i'll be concerned anybody who was a potential owner was going to be was going to be put off by a fan base kicking up a fuss at the fact that their club has just had the 
uh, the lowest finishes in, in their history when you think of Newcastle, West Ham, Aston Villa. Fans of all these clubs would act the same and I would even argue they would act, they would act stronger than we have in, t- in terms of um, protests. I think we've been too patient as a fan base uh, at times really or, or at least too acceptant um, of, of our demise of recent years maybe and um, obviously you don't want to go into sort of like corny type sort of protests and stuff like that but uh, you want to get it right and do it with a bit of class where you can I suppose but um, I do think you know we, we should challenge and respectfully challenge where, where we see things going wrong um, as for Fan base, a fan base on at a low ebb um, and being angry um, and not being happy with the current ownership if that was the case I don't think Stuart Donald wouldn't have bought Sunderland would he? No exactly so we're all, yeah, we're it's, all it's, pissed came in, so. I would say it's naive but I don't think it's naive I think they know fine well that the fans are not to blame for the the situation um, that we're in. they were in I mean if anything that seems echoed by what we're saying because it's not like somebody would pick up the phone to them and say, I was interested in buying the club, but now I'm not because the fans have put me off. Or that they're getting so far down the line and saying, actually I've changed my mind because the fans have put me off. This is clearly their opinion. They think, whether they believe this or not, that they aren't getting the offers they want because the fans aren't happy at the moment. I, I can't get my head around it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, me neither. And um, I guess I get into dangerous territory if I'm second-guessing all of that. Uh, which is why, from as an organisation point of view, we're much more comfortable in just relaying the detail of a conversation we've had, so that we're um, and not looking like we're leading fans thinking or anything like that. Um, our job is to relay the fans' questions and concerns, and then feedback to the fans what the club have said about that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, the most animated appears Donald got um, when we're talking about abuse and personal abuse and. Apparently, um, allegedly, some grown men approached his child at a bus stop in Oxford. Um, but the most animated he appeared to get was when he mentioned Chris Weatherspoon. Now, obviously, he's one of our team, and I don't mean just a Sunderland fan. He's a wise man, say, um, contributor, and he um, name-checked him personally. Not the first time he's done it. What was the response like with that? Because that's bang out of order, in my opinion. Yeah, and, um, I'm going to go a bit Arsene Wenger here, uh, and... Um I didn't actually pick up on it at the time in the meeting. There was only two of us from Red White Army, as there was in the other groups. Normally there's four. So there was a little bit more um, um, heavy lifting to do from me and from an individual point of view in sort of trying to keep track with the the meeting and all of the list of questions I had in front of us and all the other bits and bobs. Um, so sometimes you ask the question, you know that your colleague's taking the notes for the answer and you're almost sort of plotting your next question, you know, that's how these things work. Uh, so I did miss that. Um, but obviously, obviously, when I read back the minutes later, it, was, it does jump out and it's quite stark. Um, but I, I, I guess, you know, fans who are following this sort of stuff know that there's been issues uh, between the club and and, uh, and Chris and know that there's been a bit of back and forth there. Uh, it has, it has, but as the owner of a, f- a football club like Sunderland should maintain a level of professionalism on that front. That's my opinion on that. Follow I up question. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, <laughs> I think sometimes when you're in the meeting and you're dealing with this all the time, you can sometimes get a little bit desensitised to that. Okay. Um, there'll be people listening back to this now who think I haven't asked the right kind of questions, maybe missed some follow-up questions. 
this was hastily put together today uh, in reaction really and we're going to have a conversation as a wise men and say team after this so if people have questions for you there's never a better time to join the red and white army so can you just remind people how they can get in touch how they can join um and you know i would certainly encourage you to do that it's a good time to do it isn't it it, it, it is, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's always a good time and it's free to join. Uh, it's redandwhitearmy.co.uk. Go onto the homepage and scroll down to the middle at the bottom and there's a little subscription uh, form there. All we need is your email address uh, and it's free. And we'll, you know, always listen to your views. We, you'll get a newsletter from us. You can email us. And uh, if you, you know, get it, just mention that you'd want to be part of it on Twitter or on the message boards and somebody will pick it up. Okay. Thanks for joining us today, Dave. As we record this podcast in the height of British summer, it is absolutely lashing down. That's the technical term for things. We've had a shocking summer uh, from, from June onwards, so it's a perfect time to get the old cargo shorts out, I think. Um, we're all in kind of semi-lockdown anyway, and just pretend everything's fine. Um, I did receive my cargo shorts the other day from, from the terraces. Anybody else go down that route? Or is anybody, or people still sticking with the polos and the, and the long-sleeve polos? Uh, I'm, yet, I'm yet to kind of branch out into shorts, but I, I am due a pair. And we've got forecasted good weather over the next couple of weeks as well. So, so I will be kind of heading down that avenue. Um, cargo shorts are so great as well because you get so much in the pockets. You can, you know. yeah, the, 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 to be honest, they are really, really good. I've got a blue pair. Um, and I've got the long sleeve polos and the polos, and everybody knows how great from the terraces are anyway. Uh, listen to the podcast as well, by the way, if you haven't already, because it's not just a Sunderland related one. It is an idiot's guide to football, light hearted, the most light hearted of light hearted approaches towards football you can get. And also, does anybody know if there's a discount code you can get as a loyal Wiseman Sale listener? I've heard about this. WMS10. It's really, really. Um, creatively put together okay great so if you are a listener wms10 in the uh, option to put in your discount code and you'll get 10 percent off from the terraces do enjoy that and you can also spread it across multiple payments as well so if you put a whole load of stuff in your basket you can you can buy now and pay very much later what's not to love get involved <laughs> Thanks to Dave Rose there, and if you have questions that you think I missed out, Dave, uh, of course, let you know how to join the Red and White Army if you haven't done that already. So, now we have some of the wise men here, team here, uh, to, we can maybe talk a little bit more openly and be less diplomatic uh, than, 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 than Dave was there. So, I am joined by Richard Easterbrook. How are you doing, Richard? Hi, Stephen. You all right? I am okay, yes. Um yeah, <laughs> I was going to say something about. I was going to make some small talk about a bit of Friday night, and then I thought I can't. I can't be bothered. No. Um, Tom Walsh is with us as well. Good evening, Stephen. Good evening, Tom. No small talk from your end either. Nope. No. Okay. Nope. That's good. Boards <laughs> well. We've got a. We've got a lot to get through in a short time. But do it. Uh, Chris Weatherspoon's here. There are rumours he's going to start charging us for appearances on the podcast. <laughs> um, such is his infamy. In this episode of um, Sunderland's history, <laughs> well, nothing to say on that. No, no? Sorry, sorry, I was checking some facts. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. How long you had that one in your pocket? 
You've been thinking uh, of it all day. Literally, since this happened last night, I've been like, <laughs> as soon as I get on the podcast, that's my first line. So, I <laughs> and have you, just to clarify, been checking facts um, since well, you were asked to do that? I mean, I would like to think I was doing it well prior to that, but, um, but, um, yeah, right. I try not to lie. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you bothered by Chris being serious? He's, he's clearly you've, you've rattled him to, to such an extreme. Uh, just it's pretty petty, isn't it? I mean, like I say, he's been he's been given an ample opportunity to come on this podcast and tell tell me and others that we're wrong. He's given ample opportunity when I spoke to him privately before to tell me that I'm wrong. He's never took me up on it. So, but I mean, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn and seeing. The opportunity's still there if he wants it, but I have a feeling he probably won't take us up on it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, did did somebody tell you, or did you actually, were you actually just reading the the notes yourself, and then you just, oh, that's that's my name. <laughs> now you know what it is. This <laughs> this is how um this is how my life's gone in the lockdown. Is I've become a gardener, and for some reason, at ten o'clock at night, I was out watering my hydrangea, and somebody, not <laughs> <laughs> doing yourself any t- favors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I wasn't a hydrangea, I've got that fact wrong. Um, no, and somebody texted us, and, and I, th- I thought they were joking. They were like, no, you you want to check here? And I was like, all right, fantastic. Um, but now, like I say, it's just, it's really small time. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to remember, um, he, he blocked me on Twitter ages ago after he instigated the falling out, and then he deleted Twitter and that, and... Um, so it would suggest that despite not being on Twitter, he's still reading it. Were people but, surprised in the first place that the club brought this meeting on? Nothing good was ever going to come of this, it seemed. Or, or did they actually think? Did, did people actually think that they thought they could build bridges? Because if you're going to build bridges with fans, what you don't do is sit there for four hours slagging them off oh. and saying that they are blocking a potential takeover. It might have been the intention of of some people in the meeting to build bridges and then it might have been the intention of some people in the meeting to also to have a pop um all depends on the mindset it seems from like, oh, where where we go we're going on setting town information but it looks like there were there were personnel from the club trying to kind of be progressive with it and trying to take the conversation on a bit but then 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 Stuart Donald was kind of saying everything in the in the everything's gro- everything's great everything's rosy there's nothing to worry about Stop complaining. The fans are being too negative. Stop abusing us. That kind of thing. Um, it, it just seemed that the purpose of the meeting was 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 taken in different ways by different people. That's how it seems mm. to me. I mean, the response to this has has been a hundred percent negative. I mean, that, yeah. it, it was a jaw a jaw dropping um, read that the ten minutes I saw last night reading that. Where it just seemed to be every at every single point after every single question raised, it just flipped back around to the um, the fact that they think fans are putting off potential investors. Which yeah, and, and, and Dave wouldn't obviously speculate on some of this, but we can. Um, or oh, sorry, not speculate, but elaborate on some of this, but we can. And then I put it to Dave, and I said, "Well, you look at clubs of a similar size to Sunderland, Aston Villa, West Ham. You know, they will be they will be doing worse. Newcastle have been protesting against their owner for ten years." And they are potentially going to become the richest club in the world, it seems. So, would anybody it's, even want any owners near the club who were going to be put off by some nasty people writing some things on Twitter? Well, there was no, there, there was a report Sorry, uh, in Sky uh, from Sky today that that Newcastle takeover may be in doubt. So maybe the um, Mohammed bin Salman is uh, 
seen that they're doing nasty things to Mike Ashley and it's like, well, sorry, lads, that's not for me. I can't take that level of abuse. Yeah. And, to be honest, Tom, we're going to do it with two months worth of DD, um, and then get this far down the line. But actually, I read a really nasty tweet <laughs> the other day, and but, I'm having a change of heart in my whole business approach to this. I think what it is is clearly there's so much vitriol on Weir side that it's <laughs> transported itself yeah. twelve mi- twelve miles up the road, and. Um, the Saudis and oh, we don't want anything to do with that. I mean, the thing is, like, I know you said there that other people have to be diplomatic. Thankfully, we don't. And let's be honest, like, it's complete fucking bollocks to say that <laughs> that fans are putting like we all we mark all this know. episode down as explicit. <laughs> kind of do it anyway. Just do it automatically. <laughs> we all know, and we've talked about it on here before. But we all know that like fan groups were actually asked to like get people excited about the potential of FPP taking over, for them to then turn round and say, oh, FPP got spooked because of like, the way fans were going on. and it's just, it's, just, it's just yet another example of them blame, of them, them making a balls up of something and looking around for someone else to blame. Like, the fact of the matter is they wouldn't have bought this football club if it wasn't for, the, for some of the fans. They never would have bought it because the club was on its arse. We all know that. It's still on its arse. But the club was completely on its arse. It's in the third tier. It's got load, It's got like a massive stadium which costs a fortune to run. It's got a massive academy which costs money to run in that. But the fact of the matter is the potential is there because it's got like 30-odd thousand fans in, in League One. That they would never have bought the club if it wasn't for the fans. So for them to turn around and consistently, repeatedly criticise us, it just... Again, it just shows the market who we're dealing with here. They're just lashing out. They're lashing out. They're lashing out, aren't they? It's clear. It's clear. You know, they, they, they came in and they thought this. There's, 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 there's two years worth of parachute payments here. This club should be getting promoted on the first attempt. We're going to come. We're going to dress it up by saying um, that we paid this for it, but we're such good people that we're going to sell it for exactly the same price, just because we want you to be in good hands. And then when we didn't get promoted and uh, and the wheels come off a little bit. And it started to unravel, and you just wonder why they took that approach in the first place. But they've they've gone all in on 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 being promoted, and and now they are backed into a corner so much that they they're lashing out trying to blame other people. And who else is there to blame? There's only the, really the fans in their in their eyesight, I guess. As so Chris personally, um, in particular. As I was saying before this this started, like Stuart Donald, uh, like he strikes me because. He's a man who's always seemed to have been wealthy. And, I mean, you've seen his really nice house on Sunday until I die. But this is a man who's never been told that what he's doing is wrong. So when he's, when he's confronted with... He's made... He, he says in this completely insane uh, minutes that he bought Sunderland because he wanted he bought a football club because he thought it, he'd, it would be a nice thing to do. He'd have a nice time doing it. <laughs> so when like so when it doesn't it becomes not a nice thing and you've not got this really struggling team out of uh, the third tier of English football, then as a lot of rich people do and people with egos the size of his they can't actually accept that what they've done is wrong. It always has to be someone else's fault. And because, well, everyone else is gone, Methvin's apparently gone, and he can't really blame, like, the people around him. So what's e- who's easy to pick on? Yes, just a collection of people, because, like, he's run out of people to blame. A collection of people plus Chris. 
<laughs> but that, that's pathetic. Like, honestly, that is the most pathetic thing. He's a grown man, and he's picking out, like, no offence, Chris, but you are just a man who goes... <laughs> Who got, barely even that. Well, are you going to say like Chris is not a, a barely grown man? <laughs> it's unfair. It's had a lot it, in the last twenty years. But it's it's pathetic that he can get rattled by just like one supporter who's done a bit of digging and asked some like frankly legitimate questions. And it's like it's like what a yeah, it's what a child Tom does. He blocks you, and he's like, "Well, I'm not talking to him anymore. I don't want to speak to him anymore." Honestly, yeah. it's absolutely Tom, pathetic. It, it feeds into exactly what you've just said there. They don't like like they they think because they came in and told us that we're going to be open and honest and all this sort of thing that we should just go right. Okay, we'll just swallow everything. We'll just swallow everything we're being told. If you look back, and it's not just me doing it. In fairness, like other people have done it as well. If you look back at the criticisms, a lot of them are based on words that have come out of their mouth, like literally quoting them. Because let's be honest, we all know that there've been there've been plenty of threats to sue people, myself included, over the last two years. So you have to be very careful about what you say. So okay, the best way the best way to combat them is to use their own words against them. I can't be held responsible for what he said on day one. I can't be held responsible for the fact that on day one he said we're paying forty million over two years, and then last night he goes on the radio and says, "Well, we haven't paid forty million yet, but we're actually ahead of schedule." Well, I'm sorry, like it doesn't add up. I'm not calling you a liar, but I am saying you're misleading people because it doesn't add up. So, the the the, the whole point of it is they don't they don't like being told, and that, and genuinely, and I know we were saying this before, Stephen. Like, what did we expect? Like, did anyone? I am amazed that that was the attitude that they took into that meeting because I thought they might at least turn around and go, look, you know what it is? We've made mistakes. Let's let's all look for a way forward. But instead, and maybe, maybe they just don't have it in them. But instead, they've come. They've, they've made it. They made it ten times worse. I mean, you just have to look at the media today. Now, we in here, we we've been critical of some of the media, and some people will say it's fair, some people will say it's unfair. But we've been critical of the media not diving in on them a bit sooner than they have. Now, if you look today, the media going in because because they all look at what happened yesterday and they say, you know what, this is this is completely unacceptable. This is like, this is Bolton and Berry territory for owners. Like yeah. it, it's, mm. it's so far detached from reality. It's like, it's unreal. I think na- naming Chris last night was, was, was just another, another bad move. And uh, Chris, what Chris has been saying from, from pretty much the start, um, I didn't get a lot of people on board at the start. But as time went on, more and more, Sunderland especially fans, us in the group chat, and he, he kept pecking yeah. away, and pecking away. <laughs> more and more Sunderland fans got on board with him to the point that he's 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 got a lot of support. Um, even six months ago, Chris Chris could say anything. You could say the grass was green, and people would be disagreeing with him and saying, "Actually, Stewart says it's black, so that's what's happening." The, the tide well, the tide well, has completely because, turned, and, and, and they're completely fighting against it. And what we have to what we have to remember is that, and and maybe maybe Stuart Donald, Neil Fox, and and uh, Jim Rodwell don't appreciate that that Chris is one of us. He's a Sunderland fan, died in a wool from a family of Sunderland fans, and and if he's going at Chris, he's going at us. Yeah, but the thing is as well, like it 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 shouldn't be, and it's certainly not like about me or any individual fan. Like the the fact of the matter is, if if they're so if they're so convinced that what they're doing is right. If they're so convinced that like me and others are lying, well, and and you, so, first of all, if they're so determined to prove that, all right, have the discussion. 
the, the as I've said, the opportunity has been there multiple times. Like there was a lot of people don't really know, but there was a lot of benefit of the doubt given for months before it all started coming out, and that was instigated by him, not by me, not by anyone else. And so, the, if if they want to set the record straight, have the discussion. If if not, just crack on with the job. Stop stop trying to get everyone to like you. If you really believe that what you're doing is the right thing, crack on with the job and the proof will be in the pudding. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, and we did talk about this a little bit before we come on, and and I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone of this, but like the, the financial stuff does over here. But the fact of the matter is these people are incompetent and the reason we get bogged down and all this stuff is because deep down, they know that the job that they're doing, they know that, that they are so far out of the depth, it's unreal. They shouldn't be anywhere near this football club. And they're incompetent. And even if we had, a, if if we take the finances out of it, we take all like the the untruths and the misleading stuff out of it. There's still nothing to defend them on because the football for two years has been nowhere near, not even close to being good enough. People will say, "Yeah, okay, we got beaten the last minute in the playoff final." Shouldn't be in a playoff final. The the resources that we have, the club that we are, the players that we had at the club. We should be going. We should be going up with a hundred points, ironically, <laughs> and and well. the fact that, and the fact of the matter is the field on every single level. So the easy and look, we've I fall into the trap. the The easy thing is to, to lash out and blame other people and, and change change the narrative. The fact of the matter is they're incompetent. Well, I think what I think is important is is that people don't lose sight of the fact that they try to get out before that playoff final. So. The uh, the tone and the inference that I got from some of those um, notes from the Red and White Army meeting was that Donald was getting abused so much um, to the point where he now didn't care who he saw the club. I, I I'm I'm sorry, and, I'm not buying that. I I think yeah. Well, well, this, but this, yeah. but this is what I'm saying. So so Mark Campbell is one of the people who is one of the names branded about who people. I think are in total agreement are the kind of people you don't want running your football club. He tried to sell it to this guy 12 months ago. They tried to sell it to this guy before the playoffs when everything was great and fans were still backing him yeah. and everybody was on the side. People need to keep sight yeah, of that. Yeah, they do, massively. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, like... It was, we, we, we've talked about it multiple times on here. But he, let, he let him talk to Jack Ross. He let, he let him discuss transfer targets. That's Jack insane. Ross before he saw proof That's of funds. Yeah, he let it, it, it's mad. He, he was in, we know for a fact that he was introduced to people as like the yeah. new boss. Like, yeah. we know if, you look at, the thing is, I, I don't think they've realised that, especially in a, in a day and age where the internet exists, everything gets recorded and everything is traceable. And the fact of the matter is, like, you can look at, like, the FA, like, release when, like, deal when um, agent deals are done and all that. We had absolutely no transfer activity last year until the 1st of July. And the 30th of June was when Mark Campbell's takeover fell through. It's <laughs> not a coincidence. We didn't even announce a friendly before that day. Yeah. If you remember. It's great. We, we didn't even... The, the, takeover, the takeover fell through. Like, so we, we've had all this these discussions for three months. You spoke to Jack Ross about your transfer targets. Can you just send me a screenshot of your proof of funds there, please? <laughs> well, 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 about, about that, about that, ah. I was going to get onto that. I mean, it's, it's, it's so... He's, he's, Mark Campbell sounds like so much fun. 
<laughs> that's great. <laughs> I mean, I don't want him anywhere near the football club. He just sounds like an absolute like but a the, good laugh. The thing is, the thing is with Mark Campbell, I think what the podcast what we put out the other day, I think there was there was people who were skeptical, and I, I think the meeting yesterday has actually confirmed exactly what was said there that if Mark Campbell somehow cobbles together the money, he will own Sunderland FC because. To be honest, like at least at least they're being honest about it now. They're 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 admitting that they don't care who it goes to as long as they get the money and the and the person passes the fit and proper test. Well, as in the na- they can't actually sell it to him. the names that were that came up in the meeting, like Sammy Yu. It wasn't he the one that tanked Birmingham. It's like he, yeah. Am I so right I, in that? I told, yeah. Well, I, I, so I, I yeah. told the story the other day, but like when I was like doing the exams. Um, the lecturer was like fond of talking about a company where like the company's auditors like refused to sign off on the accounts because they they said they just they basically just said they didn't believe what they were being given, which is an unbelievably rare occurrence. And that was that was a uh, Birmingham City Football Club <laughs> un- under the chairmanship of a guy who'd been brought to the club by Sammy Yu. Well, so. this is. See that's fed us. I want the I want the lifestyle of these people. How how do you get to be like this? With how do you have no money and then go and live the high life like this? <laughs> I mean, like up. it is, it is funny that stuff like that. But in a different sense, it's quite worried now that he'll just sell to anyone because this is what happened at at Berry, where it's just like uh, Stuart Day was needs to shift this club because his housing empire collapsed, and then they just sell. They end up selling to anyone. And I was, obviously, we know Barry doesn't exist anymore. And I did, I did enjoy in the uh, going back to the notes uh, where Stuart Donald said, "Well, if the uh, the Sunderland supporters can form a trust, they could like uh, buy it the same way I did." And it's like, well, no, because we don't have any parachute payments left. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, oh god, it's it's amazing, really. It it certainly is. I one interesting point was. The Red and White Army asked a question and, and said, like, so, so, in theory, because you haven't put this parachute money back into the club, would you take a, an offer um, for the club that just deducted that payment? And he said yes, didn't he? Yeah. That's the interpretation. Oh, no, 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 he said, no, sorry, he didn't, no, he said, he said, no, ideally what we would do is we'd pay all the money that we owe prior to a sale and then would sell it <laughs> which which is a bit like the equivalent of like so say say Stephen say I owed you a grand and you owed me 900 quid instead of us just meeting in the middle at, a, at me giving you 100 quid it's kind of the equivalent of us going to the rigmar- going through the rigmarole of you transferring me the money then me transferring you that massive amount <laughs> it's like which a fast tour sketch isn't it yeah, it's just where the, thing where the is, guy like, in the pub I'm, doing the change. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's like I'm sorry. Like, the, look, we I can't comment categorically on what's going to happen in the future, but none of it fills you with any confidence that we're ever going to see this money again. They've repeatedly refused. It was a. It was two years they were paying it over. Now it's it's suddenly become five years. They've <laughs> repeatedly refused to ever stick a date on it, and now we're getting told. All right, I'll tell you what, instead instead of just accepting what I've put in now, what I actually want, somebody needs to offer 37 million quid 
I'll make sure that I pay up to that 37 million quid just before just before I hand them the keys. Why? Right? If, you, if you've only put 16 million quid in or 16 and a half million quid, which is roughly what I think is about right, if somebody says to you, there's 16 and a half million quid, why don't you just take it? And you led to the conclusion that that there's a significant doubt that that money is ever actually going to be coming back in. And the fact is he wants, he wants 37 million, but we have no guarantee that, that we're going to see the 37 million come back in. Yeah. And I mean, I would love, right, to just start talking about football again. I remember that. Podcasts. We set the podcast up and we were just, we were just talking about football and um, previewing games and reviewing games having a bit of a laugh along the way. And then what happens is, we, 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 you know, we, we, when you do grow and your reach becomes quite big, people start getting in touch with you and giving you information um, because they know you've got that reach. And then you can't just turn a blind eye to it and you've got a responsibility now um, to repeat this. So we know there's been lots of rumours on, on message boards in particular about a local consortium and I know there are a few that's been been mentioned um, and Stuart Donald has he's confirmed discussions and said nothing's really happened and it's in early stages but we, we, know, we know for a fact we've been contacted by a very reputable source and this isn't a Mark Campbell type this is a local reputable source who have offered Stuart Donald the money that he's already put into Sunderland to buy the club in fact a little bit more than that and then say, you know, they, they're saying just, just forget about that money that needs to be put back in. So it's deducting that money from it. They're also willing to take on liabilities, including, you know, the loan by FPP, if accepted. Um, and they're all saying that, you know, yes, Stuart Donald won't be getting that parachute payment back, but you, you, you can take this money for the club. And Stuart Donald has rejected this. He's flat out rejected this and turned this down. Yeah which kind of builds on from what you're saying there, Chris, in that it doesn't make any sense. Why would he turn this down? Yeah, I mean... If, this, if he's been offered yeah, this. Like, like, at the end of the day, he said yesterday, I want what I paid for it. So whether you put... If you put 37 million quid in, somebody offers you 37 million quid, you've broke even. If you put 16 and a half million quid in, and somebody offers you 16 and a half million quid, you've broke even. If... Yeah. To be fair, Stephen, you said there, like, and yeah, like, we've 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 been told, and it looked like nothing, nothing's ever certain. But we wouldn't say this if if we weren't pretty sure. We've been told that actually a bit more was was has been offered. Yeah. So, <laughs> so actually, he's been offered more. He's been offered more of a profit than what he admitted to on the record yesterday saying he would take he, would, he basically said yes he would break even so if he's been offered a profit why the hell is he not taking it like the fact the matter is look i i don't i don't I'm, a, I'm an accountant i don't work in corporate finance but i know people who do and i've spoken people who do and yeah okay it's it's a bit speculative because they're not if 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 they were on the inside and you knew, knew all the finances and that they wouldn't be able to comment but i've spoken to people who said it's not even worth what he's if if he's paid sixteen and a half million quid. It's not even worth that because there's no money coming in. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. The fixed costs are huge. They're still paying players who aren't on the books anymore. They've sold loads of the academy kids. Like it's it's not worth that much. Now, 
it's yeah, it's 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 somewhat he's he's pulling on the heartstrings of Sunderland fans here, isn't he? That that's only people he's going to get interested. Well, yeah, of course. Like, in buying any, the club, any any sensible business business person is not going to go is not going to go anywhere near thirty seven million quid for this football club. Like, let's be honest, and this is something that hasn't really been said. Nobody did two years ago when it had two years of parachute when it came on. Yeah. The only reason these guys got the club was because they offered, whether or not the money was theirs or the club's, they offered more than anybody else was willing to. And that was when it had like 90 million quid worth of parachute money to come in. So, like like, like I say, the, the thing you've just said there, like, like it, it, it's, if, it's, if it's local, they're presumably Sunderland fans. And like <laughs> they're giving them, they're giving them an opportunity. And some, I mean, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pretty pissed off if if I was given like because I think that's a, I think that's a better than fair offer. And fair, fair enough. I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly an unbiased commentator on this, given what's going on. But that's a more than fair offer. It's, it's also shouldn't it be, well, yeah, shouldn't it, it, it be it, it, in his interest to just sell this, especially as you mentioned that the. The current predicament we're in, just as like in society, and also that Jim Rodwell dropped in into the notes that we could be up real shit creek, like if we if the football season starts with no fans in the ground, we could be really at well, they do, well it's I just think it it would be in his best interest to take whatever minimal profit he wants off it and just you know call it a day. I mean. Because these, he can't yeah, sustain you, his yeah, next season. You, you, no, you, you, and you would think so, and and be, you know, they might turn around and say this is bullshit. Yeah, okay? yeah. Um, this doesn't this doesn't exist, and this offer didn't happen, and and it's not, and and the way you're pushing this out is part of some sort of agenda. Now, we are just, you know, you you can make your own mind up. If you were listening to this, you can make your own mind up. We've been given this information, as I've said, it's not a, a Mark Campbell type. It's not. Anybody like that? This is this is reputable local source, okay. So, if the club say one thing and they say another thing, we're just going to leave that out there for you to make up your but your own. To be fair, Stephen, like you said, he acknowledged he acknowledged the offer. So, the, I mean, look, it could look. He might be acknowledging. Yeah, he, he might say that's from somebody. Yeah, else, it yeah. might be. It I'm might just, be someone yeah. else. But, like, I mean, we. <laughs> As as much as like some people might see otherwise, like and well, we wouldn't we wouldn't mention this sort of stuff if there wasn't some sort of credence to it. Just like the Mark Campbell stuff the other day, it wouldn't it wouldn't get mentioned if people weren't sure. And I think I think sometimes people think like pe- people just spout off, but like I mean, there's there's how many of us do this, and we we all chat about, we all talk about whether it's like the right thing to say, like even. Even just sometimes tweeting after the match, we we have a discussion about whether or not that's an appropriate thing to say. So, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's just, it's just. If it's true, it's just like yet another disappointment, and it's, and it's yet another piece of misleading information from a from a bloke who let let's not be, let's let's not forget. Like these guys were these guys were like universally loved yeah. for like a year. I, I've, in my lifetime, I have... Okay, Niall Quinn is the exception. But these guys were bordering on that. It was like cult hero status that these guys had. So for them to turn around and and go on the way they have done, it's just... It, it's as if... Well, 
Tommy, you nailed it before. They're basically... They've, they've never been told no. And, like, unfortunately, none of us are as, are as thick as... Are as <laughs> unbelievably uneducated in business as they like to think we are. <laughs> well, I mean, talking about being uneducated or, or, or making the wrong call, Tom... Has just said there that they, you know, they 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 came to that meeting and, and more or less said, look, if we don't get more fans buying season tickets, we could be in real trouble. So, of course, if that was your predicament, you would go into a meeting and slag the fans off. That's a perfect <laughs> way to to um, on, on to that, drum up interest on that point, and, and sell tickets. On that point, when Jim Rodwell said Sunderland cannot start the season without fans or financial assistance, that's that's. That's just after Neil Fox says he runs the business responsibly. Um, they have zero <laughs> income, but significant outgoings, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, but the if money were needed, it would be there tomorrow. That's what he said. And then Stuart Donald says money is in the tank, whatever that means. But, you know, on one hand, they're saying, don't worry about this problem. We've got money to cover it. And on the other hand, maybe more realistic appraisal of the situation is that we, we won't be able to cover the costs when the football season starts up against with 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 zero incomings. Yeah, maybe, that's you know obvious. Maybe they sold off to anybody looking in. If if you're not, if your main revenue stream, to quote the club, is your fans, and you're not letting them into the ground, and there's very minimal coming in from 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 a commercial side of things. What what are you going to do? How are you going to pay your players? You know what that that is like. I know. There's been the the whole hubbub around other aspects of what went on yesterday. That that right there is the most like kind of damning thing to come out of it. I think like they're literally Absolutely. admitting that this this club can't survive without its fans, which in normal times and with what's going on in the world would be the most normal thing in the world to to admit. But the fact of the matter is, this football club is owed money way over and above what fans were ever going to put into it this season. And the fact that the fact it's almost as if that was like a slip of the tongue. It's almost as if that wasn't that wasn't part of the narrative that they should have that they were going in there with. And uh, and I would like to think like you should tell what the hard thing is. Like I hear that and I have it I'll I'll go back when when the when the ground opens again, when we can get in again. But I hear that, and my instinct is to go, shit, I'll just, I'll pay for my season card now. And then the other, th- then the other thing is, well, hang on, no, because actually what I'm doing is I'm propping these up. But that's that's what the player are. If they were running any other business, it would have gone bust long before now. Yeah. Uh, if, I mean, if they're, if they're, if, if they're, the plans are revealed about how many fans, what percentage of fans can go to the stadium they will get that little spike because if there's already 10,000 season tickets sold and then maybe you can only get 17,000 fans in the ground, you will get 7,000 yeah, fans I think, renewing from that I point. think 10,000 people signing off, given what has gone on this summer and the way fans have been treated, is absolutely remarkable loyalty. And I think, yeah. and, I, and, I said, and I don't go in for this whole like, these people, these people are part of the problem. They're not at all. These are these are people who love the club, and they've they've decided. You know what? Regardless of the way these people are treating us, it's it's my club. I'm going to support. I I think it's absolutely remarkable. And it and it and it's that that gets you more and more annoyed about the way they've talked about us yesterday. Yeah, you never ever criticise fans for for doing that. 
uh, what I would say is probably 10,000 people who aren't on social media <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and maybe maybe a little bit maybe a little bit oblivious to to all this I'd like to see the average age of those 10,000 people yeah that would be interesting <laughs> I mean the, the cynical uh, not the that cynical I'm, not side that I'm generalizing. thinking no. if the club can see those 10,000 and if they're going well if they're going to pay for that I wonder what else they can pay for and then they'll, they're going to try to upsell kind of everything so that's the thing is, you've got to remember as well, like for those of us who haven't um, signed back up, I think that I think this is, this kind of went under the radar with everything that was going on. Yesterday was like the deadline for direct debits. So if if we decide to go back, there's no guarantee that there'll be a direct debit scheme. We might have to pay like three, four hundred quid in a lump sum kind of thing. They aren't going to turn down. They aren't going to turn down a direct debit option for people you wouldn't have thought the kind of thought you wouldn't have thought but as we've discussed already um the the business acumen on show isn't especially <laughs> isn't especially high they'll, they'll call in all that money the day before they sell yeah hmm. well can't say that no unfortunately soon, but yeah um so so that's the information we've had anyway what what I forgot to ask Dave about, actually, um, when people read the notes, the lineman Stuart Donald said, are you trying to catch me out here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. That's great, amazing, isn't, it? isn't it? Should I tell you what that is? That's like, that's like when you get home from the pub at like 10 o'clock and, you, and your partner's like, how many pints you had? You're like, well, why are you asking that for? What, 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 what are you getting at there? <laughs> I, said, I said I was only having four. And it's like, like, it, but it's stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, it's little like tells. It's like it's amazing that. Like, are, are you trying to catch me out? By, uh, by yeah. If you've got nothing, nothing, you're nothing to hide. You don't. No. Yeah. What, 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 what can you get caught out of? No, exactly. You've said you want what you want what you paid for it. All right. You claim to have paid this. So is this the figure? Are you trying to catch me out? Well, no. I'm literally like following a, a stream of logic here, like. It's just mad, but but to be fair, to be fair, read my army mind, like putting stuff like that down on paper, like I mean, I think it's I think it's a major major oversight by the club to be like, yeah, yeah, we'll let them take notes, and I know the club signed off on them, which is good because they're literally admitting it's true in doing so. I think it's a major oversight for the club in this current, especially if they're trying to manage the PR situation, to literally like, essentially just. Let the chairman, who we know has a habit of his mouth running away with it, with itself, just let him like talk on, and then let it all get written down. So, what the hell did they expect to happen? It's amazing. That's not, I, I like the idea of them getting in the car afterwards. Go well, I think that went <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> myself, it's uh, tune in the new radio it's, Newcastle. It's, it's perhaps um, it's we we needed to build those bridges, and I, I think we've we've we took a big step towards <laughs> yeah. that aim tonight. <laughs> And then, um, and then turned on social media and the, and opened up the paper newspaper website the next morning, <laughs> and said, "Oh shit." The, the thing is, we're, we're joking, but that is definitely what they did. <laughs> I know, I know, it's mental. Um, any massive takeaways from this whole situation before we sign off and let people enjoy the uh, fun? It's. It doesn't look good, does it? It doesn't fill you with any hope. Any time any news comes out of Sunderland now, it's it's never good. It's never good. I th- I think for for me, like yeah, I I think it's worrying. I think it, it, but I, 
like we all know I've been rooting for ages. Um, but one of the positives is there's a hell of a lot of people who care and an awful lot about this football club, and I and I think we're seeing that now, and I think um. I'm I'm being optimistic here, but I think I think that counts for a lot, and I I hope at some stage that'll make a difference. Yeah, I mean, what we we would say that we don't um, condone any any personal abuse from anybody um, towards family members and stuff, especially when the ratios and the odds are stacked against that happening. You you have to be really unlucky, I think, um, for a child to be approached in Oxford by grown men and, and verbally abused. That's what the saying's happened. I'm not going to say the door, but because the ratio and the odds are mm. against that, um, it makes it very unlikely and it makes it very unfortunate. So don't do that. If you are doing that, don't be a dick. Okay. Anything else by anybody before we sign is that, off? Is that your golden advice there, Stephen? <laughs> don't be a dick. So we got T-shirts made up. Yeah. Hey, yes, hey to be fair, Stephen's, Stephen's got four kids. He's got a high likelihood of that happening. <laughs> mm. one, one, one more than that, isn't it? <laughs> this is why Chris yeah. this is why Chris Coleman so in, in, <laughs> in my um, in my oldest daughter is 12 and just the thought of her standing at a bus stop by herself and she's average height and, and, and everything for her age and just the thought of her standing there and, and grown men approaching and verbally abusing I, I can't get my head round why I can't imagine that happening Would- you know if that so, you know if that had happened, would you have a laugh about it after, or would you lob your garden furniture at the blokes who'd done it? You would. You would ring the police. First, <laughs> yeah, right. So Absolutely. that's what I would say. You know, um, and we would encourage them to ring the police if that indeed did happen, um, because we don't condone it, as we've said. Right, everybody, go off and enjoy your Friday night. Thanks for listening.